0: hello and welcome to we bought a mic a deterministic inevitable pop culture podcast you didn't choose to listen to this just like you didn't choose to get up this morning just like you didn't choose to buy the phone or buy the mic (laughs) you only did what you could You only did what you did because there was nothing else that you could have done.
1: Does that mean by default, like, any takes or anything that we say on this podcast are excused because that was always going to happen?
0: Uh, Oh, wow. You can't choose the words because you can't choose anything. The words you say are the words that you were always going to say.
2: This sounds like it's like uh like Weinstein's <laughs> oh, God.
1: <I> <laughs> every every timeline he was going to uh do some shady shit.
2: Yeah. Hello. That's
3: how it works. But okay. I am
2: <laughs> welcome. I am uh I guess it's not even my choice who I am this week. Um am I skimble shanks? Why not? It was. I it, think you've always been Skimble Shanks,
0: it, whether it says, or not you said you were, whether or not you chose you were. You never chose anything.
2: Yeah. It says I Jigiton. am
0: I'm oh, not exhibiting
1: God. free will in that I am running the jewels in my uh, predetermined signed LP and Killer Mike jersey T. But then again, I never even had the choice whether or not this would be signed. So
2: I am Hunter.
0: And I'm Ernest, and joining us is a very special guest making his return. Although he never chose to be here, he could only do what he did because he was always meant to. It's Dane. Welcome.
3: I'm hammered. We had to. We had to bring an engineer on the podcast. You don't want. You don't want my computer takes on this show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And a real life engineer
1: to explain um what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's essentially magic to a certain degree. You can't you can't put it in a in a technical sense, but we are talking devs, which is the new show for Mr. Alex Garland, who created films such as Annihilation and Ex Machina. And this is his first foray into television. And it is on FX on Hulu. So not F- FX, but Hulu, except there's a little tab on Hulu called FX on Hulu. So it's essentially a Hulu original, but it's like co-branded with FX. And I appreciate that because I did not, I've never gotten into any of Hulu's shows. And I, I am one of the people that they hooked with this little bit of uh, marketing co-branding with I th- FX. At
1: first, I thought you were serious. And I was like, wait, no, we talked expensively about Pen15 and Rami, so I don't think that's...
0: Oh, yeah, 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 was- that's right, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Rami is great. I thought Pen15 was Netflix. Maybe I'm just... No, it's it's you know? Hulu. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about Rami. That's right, that's a great show. I haven't finished all of Pen15. That's on my list to get through. Such a good show. But the Incredible FX show. the FX on Hulu uh, little joint venture that they're going in is pretty cool. Um, and I really enjoy the fact that they have all of FX's entire catalog on there. It's really worth diving into some of these shows like Atlanta and Legion, if anybody um, has yet to do that. But this is like the flagship, like, brand new original show for <laughs> only Hulu through FX. So yeah, it's, it's We got Sunny on Hulu a lot quicker because of this. Yeah, all of Sunny, exactly, the entire show. Um, So we had heard about the show a while back, and we've actually briefly brought it up on the pod when it first started. Uh, But now the entire season has wrapped up, eight episodes, uh, over and done, and now we're here to talk about it in depth, analyze, break it up, break it apart, dive in, um, and I want to hear takes from everybody on this. So let's start broad. Overall- so yeah, Dave,
2: we had already, like, we, we've talked a couple times, like, a little bit at length about just how we felt maybe three episodes in, four episodes in. So what, what are your just general feelings about the show?
3: Um, so the first episode. Uh, I watched the first episode and, like, the first line. Honestly, I was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really took a little bit for the uh, i think by the end of the first episode i was probably uh more sold on it but the first episode where they talk about like well what what's uh which one of these uh, encoding processes is is better and the answer was neither because uh quantum computing is a weakness for both of them so they're both equally flawed that's a bullshit answer and 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 as a computer electrical engineer that upset me because that's so, not a practical answer. Maybe maybe <laughs> five years in the future
0: that's a practical answer, but are you talking specifically about the scene where they're doing like the little simulation with the microbe? No, thing? like before that, like at breakfast. Oh, okay. So you're yeah. talking like like literally like the very yeah. beginning of the
3: of the episode. Okay. And and I think that really it, it took me a while to even be remotely sold on the character of Lily.
2: It, you
0: all know, right it, well let's let's hear some more some more thoughts from you on like the show overall without getting into spoilers like did it work for you did it explore like any themes successfully uh that you were interested in the the existentialist kind of kind of thought
3: uh thoughts that they bring up uh throughout the series about like uh different uh theories of how the universe works and like uh if if i did something differently would the outcome have been different or do I have no control? I did really actually enjoy that. I thought that was probably the strongest point of it all. And uh I think that Nick Offerman and um uh the the woman who played Katie Alison yeah. Hill I thought they were probably
0: the strongest actors throughout the entire series. I do agree. Uh, I think Nick, Nick Offerman gives probably the best performance he's ever given. Because um, well, he's that's... been relegated to like comedic performances and he's never given really been given the chance to do something like this. And he does a great, great job with this character. I, I think it's hard to say whether this is the best
3: performance he's ever done, but I think it's the best performance in this uh genre. You yeah, know, I, dramatic. I, I think it it proves that he's got range rather than
0: just being yeah I don't yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Ron Swanson because I, I think a lot of people hold that character very dear.
2: He's my favorite epic bacon libertarian.
0: Mm. Um, um, I'm gonna what? drive down to
3: Orlando beat your ass Just that, <laughs> kind of. I'm gonna what? break quarantine just for that statement
1: what's, uh, what's so amazing, amazing.
3: <laughs> what's so
1: amazing about Nick Offerman is that Nick Offerman is without getting into spoilers he is the like the kind of closeted lead of the show we are led to believe that different other people are leads are the actual leads of the show. But it's really, he's the only person with a real emotional arc that actually like resonates in any kind of a meaningful way, at least in my opinion.
3: I, I agree. Um, I
1: I'll be honest. Um, I really love the first episode. I love the first couple episodes. I was really drawn in by the show. But I think that this is a really good show that gets so close to being great. And it just doesn't quite get there. Um, without getting into spoilers, because I, I will, will, there's so much to talk about with this show. So I'm assuming that we're going to get there pretty early uh, in our discussion here. But Alex Garland, and I don't mean this in a negative way, because I think sometimes it can work beautifully in something like Ex Machina. But I think that he's somebody who's just in general more interested in asking questions than providing meaningful answers. Um, which isn't always a bad thing. Again, I did really, really enjoy a lot of things about the show. Drew brought up uh, whenever we first talked about about the wooden dialogue, and sometimes that is just really rough. The dialogue scenes. There's a point in which Lily says <laughs> to Jamie, uh, <laughs> to says the character in the show, uh, "Come to bed with me," which no person has ever said that in my life. <laughs> Me is come to bed with
0: me. Or at least if you say you're not gonna be like, mm, yes, I shall. Yeah, let's get it <laughs> on. Can we all agree that like
3: Lily is probably the least uh uh developed character
0: in the entire like, So I, I, guess, I have a, I a take I have a take actually? on that, but I wanna I wanna wait until spoilers to develop okay. my take so because let me, let it's it's, it's a lot that. more there's a nuance to that question.
2: So S- Sonoya Mizuno is a very, she's like a, a hot name in terms of up and comers. And I think that she could have done a lot more than what they had her do. Yeah, I, I don't think she, she's talented. Sleepwalk through the show and say, I don't know anything. That that's That's her in every episode of this show. It, it wasn't her fault. No, it's not her fault at all. It became very frustrating. Uh I agree. Uh I think Allison Pill was probably the best actor in this entire thing. Um she is I would call her a casting director's dream because in addition to just like loads of natural talent, she has an unbelievably strange face but it's perfectly symmetrical um which is exactly what you want as a casting director if you're casting any fucking weirdo part. Yeah. Um she is, she is unbelievably good, I think.
3: I got another hot take about uh, casting. Everybody was too hot to be uh, computer engineers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that, that much is true. Also, when this is this, no, I'll have to save her spoilers, but one of the things that they generate they, it's like clearly a model when it's supposed to be a fucking caveman.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that one was rough. I mean, you know, people
1: look like back there. There was no makeup. People look like shit up until yeah. like
0: two
2: hundred years ago. It was anyway, like one though, step away from an ape, supposedly. Um, though I I mean I kind of came to terms with what this show would be early on because that's how I feel about everything Alex Garland has done. It has everything he's done to me has shortcomings that are pretty uniform. I know people, uh, most people would probably argue that Ex Machina is the closest he's come to like a more perfect product. Uh, I wasn't even the hugest fan of that. I think it was like a pretty good episode of Black Mirror. Um, and uh, don't give me that look, Hunter. It literally was. I know, but that's still like, you said it in a way that's a criticism, and I don't think that you meant it in a way that's a criticism. No, I think it was a good overall thing, but I don't think that he's ever approached perfection because he's not good at dialogue, because he doesn't understand humans, or how they behave, or why they act the way they do. That said, once you come to terms with the fact that this is not going to be uh, something that's revelatory about emotion... uh, you get to just enjoy the fact that Alex Garland is probably one of the five best directors working today in terms of visual filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And like I said, uh, he is, I would, I would uh, pick him probably first overall in the sound design draft. Yes. Uh, Second place would probably be Robert Eggers, but um, Alex Garland's sound design is the best on earth. His visual design is among the best on earth. He can. I feel like he would be really good at music videos Mm -hmm. because uh, not only is he good at visual storytelling, he also was good at like, there are a lot of cold opens in the show or just like random asides that are completely untethered to narrative, but it's just a series of very striking visuals. With no dialogue. Those to me me were a lot more effective than a lot of the scenes with dialogue. Right. I mean, I totally agree. I
1: Dane, I don't know if you have seen X Machina or Annihilation the other I, two. I haven't, but uh I mean, sound is always an integral part to this. And I think that the horn that play that like one like solo horn that plays whenever it's panning over the uh the woods and everything yeah. is like it's almost on par with the end of annihilation
0: for me. Of just like it just creates
1: a reaction inside of you.
0: Yeah, it's unsettling.
3: the uh, The sound, uh, the soundtrack, and all everything auditory that happened in the show was part of what made this so hard for me to binge. Interesting. <laughs> I, I I could have sat down and watched this in a day and it took me 3 days because there was a lot of like i i i need to take a break
0: because I, yeah. I i'm so upset but i i shouldn't be upset i will also shout out uh some of the song choices uh there's a lot of like kind of uh dissonant to the mood song choices which i he kind of did in an annihilation as well there's a couple of of uh score tracks in Annihilation that is like this like melodic acoustic guitar that's very um, it, it doesn't quite sync with the strange story playing out and he does that here in Debs as well where we'll get a certain song come in that's a little bit
2: more uplifting uh, yeah, that's supposed to, to uh, like late 60s early 70s folk music yeah, yeah. He's, he's exactly. He exactly Annihilation and it was beautiful
0: yeah and it creates that juxtaposition that's sort of like the unsynchronized feel that just adds to the unsettling where you you catch yourself like being tricked by the mood of the song to feel a certain type of way that is setting you up to be shocked later on um so I'm, I'm going to get into my overall thoughts on, on the show now before we get into spoilers. And I just want to say that I totally agree with the points about him having this really visionary stylistic flair to the the look and the sound of the show. I, I think you can't deny that. And then on top of that, the ideas that he's exploring about free will and reality and the nature of the universe are so amazing that you don't see that a lot in TV and just before we started recording Dane and I were having a little chat about uh Westworld season 3 that is like every episode getting so so close to encroaching on dev's turf to the point where there's even a supercomputer that knows uh, well I don't want to spoil devs, but it it is dangerously close to encroaching on the turf of devs. And it does it in a way that is not nearly as compelling uh, as Alex Garland is able to do it in this show. But this show suffers very, very greatly from some dire narrative issues and i want to get into those issues and spoilers because of the nature of of what of the story that is being told here and i don't want to give away you know some of those details but even though we have a very visually striking super like um, ambitious show in terms of the the way it's put together and the 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 ideas it's trying to convey it does fall short in a lot of areas because to me it sort of feels like unrealized potential like the the ideas are so grand and so it and so out there that it got me thinking that it was going to go places that it didn't even try to really go to and that may might be because Alex Garland wasn't interested or that might be because the budget didn't allow for those types of things but To me, I think that the story that we get in these eight episodes is in a lot of ways lacking and in a lot of ways uh, just short, it's, it's a shortcoming in a lot of ways of what could have been and what could have been explored. And I think the earlier episodes set up a type of narrative that doesn't quite, get realized in the back half of the show and we'll we'll talk about all those details and spoilers but it's mostly successful the tone the mood and the ambitious concepts are all there and you don't see that in in a lot of tv nowadays so i I gotta commend that at least Uh, that he went he went big he went for it and it didn't quite work for me but at least he went for it dane agree Disagree?
3: I, that's going to be a hard agree. I, I think, you know, it started off kind of rocky and then around the middle, I was pretty completely sold. And then right at the end, that's, that's where I was kind of like, okay, this was, it, it wasn't a waste of time. I enjoyed watching it, but I don't think it was anything
0: specifically profound, you know? I, I, I think, I, it, is, I think I, it is profound in some ways, right? The, the, well, the, just the base fact I, that it, it is trying to get you to think about these ideas is yeah, profound because a lot of shows are just like random shit that you just put on to not even think about anything.
3: I think the philosophizing and, uh, and all the, the theories of how the universe and multiverse and all that works, I think that was very well done. Uh, to the point where I, I almost, you know, I just want to keep discussing that and figure mm-hmm. out what other people, uh, how other people think and view uh, the, the, the universe. But I think, that, I think the plot was really where it fell short. Yeah, exactly. I, it's like uh, the
0: characters in the story don't fulfill the potential that they could uh, for those ideas and those, those concepts.
3: There were a few characters that I did find especially compelling. But we should wait for spoilers Uh,
1: for that. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think that there is a, like, I don't want to come across too negative on this show because overall I did really, really enjoy the show a lot. But I think that it is the missed potential of it all that keeps, like, nagging at me. Because I know that this had the potential to be an all-time series. And it just never quite reached that mark. I mean, I'm going to tiptoe around this without getting into spoilers, but there's certain plot lines that just get completely thrown away in the show in a way that is frustrating at times, where at first it was like, okay, cool, he's just not interested in that storyline. It's like, oh, oh, he's also not interested in that storyline or this one Over, Okay, so we're, now we're just doing this one. Okay, that's that's what we're on. Okay, so that character who like, played a key role in episode two or three she's just gone now we're yeah. just not gonna see her never again. see her again that's okay. okay. yeah. okay. fine
3: um like, i think i only really had that problem with one plot line that i will wait for spoilers yeah to, to well it's up. not
1: even necessary like it was always a plot line. it wasn't necessarily that it was always the most interesting things that were being set up but it was still the idea that you were setting up something and then just not ever not even addressing it not necessarily resolving it that's not what i'm asking for but at least give it like some kind of address as to what was happening there. But I mean, again, I can get more into this over getting into spoilers, but I think that this paired with Ex Machina is a really interesting pairing whenever it comes to Alex Garland's filmography. yeah, I mean, there's there's also some tones of Annihilation in here, but he didn't actually write Annihilation. He adapted that, mm-hmm. where these are the two main things that he has actually written for film. um. And I just, I still think Ex Machina is the best thing that he has ever created. And I guess I was just hoping for a little bit more whenever it was first announced that Alex Garland was making a high concept show about uh, kind of determinism versus free will versus all these different big ideas. I thought that TV would be the perfect the perfect route for it. And I don't think that we got four times better of a version than just a two-hour movie yeah yeah i exactly. would agree with that
2: the thing with ex machina is it almost is guaranteed to be better than anything else he makes because there isn't any plot it's that movie has zero plot to it and that's where he stumbles mm-hmm. uh so he literally just removed the ingredient that he's bad at um and that's also uh, almost a small issue i had with that movie is uh it seemed uh, transparently, I don't know, transparently him in, in, a, in a certain way. But I I still stand by the fact that I, I truly wanted, I knew going in with everything that we know about Garland. After watching the first couple episodes, there's a lot of plot. You know that this entire thing is going to have a lot of plot. I knew for a goddamn fact I wasn't going to be completely happy with the way it ended. That's just not the way that this guy's shit goes for me. Um, the way, the very, very ending of this didn't, the thing is, it didn't even seem particularly Alex Garland, uh, the way that a certain plot line wraps up that to me seemed like an, a studio note. Um, aside from that, I, I tried to forget about everything cause I've, you know, over the years let myself, uh, truly hate a lot of things because one attribute is uh, lacking in them. And I didn't want to do that with this because I think that he is one of the most talented uh, visual filmmakers that we have.
0: You have him on your director draft. I did. So uh, are you happy with this show? Or does this show not count? Because it's it not a count. feature film? No, it doesn't count. So
1: I, do, I do have one note about that, that Alex Harland has said on an interview thing is that he said that one of the reasons why he took this show to series was because he was so frustrated with the studio system yeah. that he wanted to make something where he had more creative freedom. So he might just keep making TV shows. Well, like
0: this. I, yeah, but I if- could see that. I mean, famously, Annihilation did not get an international theatrical release. It was only released in select theaters in the United States and then Netflix 100% around the world. So the studio which I believe was Paramount did yeah. not have faith in that movie to capture audiences. And I love Annihilation. I don't I don't necessarily think it's better than Ex Machina uh just because Ex Machina is so much more like focused uh and simple. But Annihilation was like I think my number 7 of the year for 2018. Yeah, you had it ranked. Yeah, it was in my top 10 and I saw that movie twice, and both times I got a lot out of it. And it's it's a flawed movie, but it is so jam packed with ballsy creative
2: decisions that we just don't see anymore. Exactly, he he takes a lot of risks that a lot of people wouldn't be willing to take, and for that reason, I'm willing to forgive. Every single line that the character Stewart said in this, which they were all yeah. fucking awful. They, he really, truly, just was like, okay, uh, what year is it? Are, do we still do like mystical black people in in our in our film? That <laughs> really, really, just shitty, <laughs> shitty lines for that guy. Who I love that actor, the Ladybird guy, yeah. Stephen McKinley yeah. Henderson. Yeah, uh, just just relegated to a fucking thankless mystical role. Um. I another standout that I I, I really enjoyed though uh, where oh Jin Ha uh, Jamie I really really liked his take on that character because it was again a character that didn't have the most to do um, but I yeah he's another one that uh, people are talking about him now as like one to watch and I'd like to see him in other stuff.
3: He was great. He was he was pretty incredible for that, I mean, I, the most of the cast what i he, i i say most of the cast i think all of the cra- cast was was great i think it was what fell short was the writing
0: yeah yeah all right so with that i think that's a perfect lead point into spoilers so if you haven't seen it it's on hulu right now in the fx on hulu tab eight episodes about an hour uh each it's it's a slight recommendation for most of us. I mean, we're not a hundred percent satisfied with it, but we can at least I acknowledge. Know, I, I'd you know, say it's a full recommendation.
1: If there's nothing else that you're doing, it, and if you are interested in visual storytelling, then I would still recommend this shit. Yeah. I'd say
0: if, if you like existential shit. Exactly. Yeah. If you yes. want, if you want a, an itch of those big, bold, out there ideas. This is this is a perfect show for that. If you um, want
1: to decide if whether or not we were determined but you would, you to be decide. stuck in quarantine or if it was somebody's own choice to eat a feral bat that uh, caused the coronavirus, then this is the show for you. It was You're always going to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that, let's get into spoilers now for Debs. Should oh, I say,
2: Dais?
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my God! He made a movie called Ex Machina, and now he made a show called
2: Deus That's Dais <laughs> uh, This guy plays video games. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So the actual
1: delivery of that line, I I scoffed at. I openly scoffed at my. He's team
0: like, it's a joke. private <laughs> joke.
3: I, I, yeah. I, I didn't. I, I was I was okay with that. I was yeah, like that, honestly that's exactly, exactly. What, what, a, what an engineer would do would be like I think this is funny to just me and nobody else. So right. Far. It's so funny
0: like,
2: because I'm God. Do you get it?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also funny because it's Alex Garland writing about a private joke about his own movie, also. Yeah. So and, uh, us I, film nerds also get it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, now, now that now that we're in spoilers, I can say my favorite character and ask everybody else's favorite character, right? Okay. Uh, I really loved the homeless guy. Okay, all wow. right. That
0: was my favorite favorite character and favorite reveal of the. That entire was a series. great scene. So, I will say the scene where he confronts her and and he's like, "You can either go to Hong Kong, or." like, go to the CIA or something. That was a good scene. And then on top of I that... I
2: didn't like it at all. I, you know, I was going to say, <laughs> I can't
1: disagree with you guys. I think that everything that was Russian infiltration about this show completely failed. I think that the that
2: was... It, yeah, it floundered. out there, man. I really couldn't get into that at all. I Like, I knew there had to be something else going on with him, but... I just... Yeah, I, I kept waiting for him agent, to do something. Wow, he really drew the short end of the fucking stick there. You know, this one guy gets to have GF and live in a nice apartment, and then he's has to be the hobo outside the door. <laughs> I just... What, I what think that... Dumb, I don't I know, man. That,
1: I think that all of that stuff just completely failed. And whenever we talked about the whole Russia thing in episode two, and I was like, ah, it's just a red herring. We won't ever come back to that. And then it still kind of lingers on that question for too long without providing really any kind of fundamental insight to the show or without anything interesting to say. And then whenever Pete shows up and saves the day, I was like, "I, whatever, I don't care. Corporate espionage
2: Go back to- <laughs> counts in Russian.
3: <laughs> Corporate espionage is a real problem,
0: okay? Just because you don't get
3: it doesn't mean the rest
0: of
2: the Yeah, show. but the show
0: I the think- show isn't about that. That's the problem is that it could have gone all in on that that's and fair. been about that, but it doesn't commit to that. And that's, I think, what you were getting at earlier, Hunter, is that there's these subplots that get introduced that the show doesn't quite... Pick what it wants to fully focus on, so we end up with like a lot of like loose threads, and to me, the one that like really feels the the most egregious is the fact that how do you introduce a fucking supercomputer time machine and you only show shitty cave people like come on that is an amazing concept and we get these fuzzy images of Jesus on the cross and Joan of Arc and Um, Marilyn Monroe like it teases us with these bits of like what could be done with this machine and the entire fucking show I'm like okay Garland I'm with you I am I am am giving you (laughs) my faith that you're gonna deliver by the end of this And then he never does because he doesn't commit to the show being about that. And I understand that, like, even if we would have gotten, like, really (laughs) ambitious visual shit from the supercomputer, like, if we would have seen shit like the height of the ancient Greek empire or the French Revolution or, um, I don't know, uh, fucking... Uh, Pearl Harbor being attacked or the Aztec Empire, the Mayans, whatever. Pick your thing. We didn't get any of that. I, I understand that if we would have, it doesn't automatically make it a better show. But you're seeding that idea and you're setting us up for that potential and to not go there and also not deliver with the characters just makes it a, a, a flop for me. Not, not completely. I don't, I don't think the show is a failure. Well, but but it is, and well, I do feel saying. disappointed.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's exactly what we've been saying that it's just like, it is, it's just, there's so many threads here that I feel like Alex Garland is a classic guy, which I mean, I'd rather a guy with too much to say than Nothing to say on something. But Alex Garland seems like a guy that just has too many ideas floating in his head, and he he almost needs like a production studio or something. He needs some kind of a guiding voice sending him on the right way here, because I don't think he's a guy who can just get like a blank check and just just create content all on his own. Like I think that it ends up becoming a little bit of a mess. And it, sometimes it can be a beautiful
0: mess, but it's still a mess nonetheless. I, annihilation I, gets so weird in the end when yeah. she goes in the fucking, I mean, I guess spoiler for Annihilation, I, I hate to do this, but when she goes in the lighthouse and I'll just call it the dance, the dance that we see, one of the most wild visuals in cinema I've seen in
2: a long um, time. Dan, Dan, you can come back. I didn't I didn't didn't really I didn't really spoil it
0: I didn't really spoil it but I'm just I'm just hinting at the third act of annihilation like we don't really get something nonsense words to most people who have not seen that movie we we don't get anything like that in this show not anything as bold and as striking as what we get in annihilation and I I was honestly waiting for something like that and I had faith that we were going to get something like that from the supercomputer um so, and we don't so i wanted
1: to i wanted to before we get too much further into this so that we don't get too sidetracked and are able to hit the main points of the show i wanted to kind of split it up so that we can kind of talk about the humans of the show and then the grand ideas themselves so another couple of the plot lines that i did love is Lyndon's story at, yeah uh, <sighs> um I really loved uh, his character. Um, I, I think that was the best one. I think that I mean, Lyndon's principle ends up being correct. They it, were right it absolutely about it was. Like yeah. they, they were right. <laughs> like that's where the show comes down, is that it's it pro-multiverse show. that that or at least maybe it's not a pro-multiverse show, but it shows that maybe the multiverse is the most acceptable option for us like maybe because the whole argument that happens between them and Nick Offerman is like oh well if there's one hair out of line then that's not that's not Maya Maya but eventually you learn to realize like still we can settle for that it's still if I can have that opportunity
0: yeah it's I, essentially the same
3: I what I want to bring up really comes to like the very end but, but I would love to discuss more of what the the acceptable model of
0: how the universe and the multiverse works. Yeah. Is. To, yeah, that's the that's the core idea here is like what it it's almost like do you believe in God? It's almost like that question. You know, it's like, do you believe that the choices we make are our own and that we have a real uh Free will agency over the course of our lives, or every choice we could make, we have made in some reality, and that- the track that we're on is just the one that we're on, and an infinite number of possibilities that could go down.
3: Yeah, I I, I do want to know uh everybody else's like like who, who the favorite character. I guess Hunter, your yours is is Lyndon.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I still would probably have to give it to Forrest.
0: Yeah, me too. Especially.
1: Like, I mean, if I'm being real myself, I do really love Lyndon. I kind of think that the character got done dirty, but I got to no. give it up to my boy Kenton. <laughs> yeah, he's, year, great. he's great. Kenton's a hard, a
3: hard second for me.
1: He's like fucking mid-50s, and he's just like, he's so badass that he's just like fill up the tub. Now, fucking drown yourself in the tub. Like he he's did. that menacing of a presence. I do. I hate the way that his character just kind of went like insane for not really any good reason. He, he didn't know There was, no. he was a good reason. Unhinged, where he was very controlled for most of the show. They they no
0: didn't give him enough uh, knowledge. They yeah. yeah exactly. They they were looking ahead in the computer in the in the system. Uh, And they didn't give him that knowledge to understand what their full plan was. So he misunderstood the level of involvement that they were allowing for Jamie and Lily when they knew what was going to happen because they saw it happen. And Kenton wasn't made aware of that. I I also got to go with Forrest for my favorite character just because um, I just really love Nick Offerman's performance. And I think it's the one that works the best. In the weird reality that Garland put together here. But there's a big but because of the way the show ends with Forrest happy in the simulation with his daughter and wife. My guy is a murderer. Well, okay. My so- guy is a ruthless fucking murderer mm-hmm. and there are no what- consequences. What's Forrest's alignment for you? <laughs> Alignment? Uh, like D&D alignment? Yeah, give me a DD d alignment for Forrest. He's like chaotic evil, I guess. Or no, sorry, neutral evil? Neutral evil. He's see, a I bad think, person. I think he's just true neutral. Okay. And,
3: no. W-
2: yeah. uh, okay. I How many see murderers that? in real life are true neutral, do you think?
3: I can't fault him from murdering a Hitler. corporate espionage spy. Especially after he apologizes and gives him the chance to not do it
1: I Well, I mean, in a way, you are right that at least he, there is a huge neutral point to him in that he's just like, well, everything I've already done is been determined, and everything I wanted to do is also determined." So I'm just like floating through the stream. That's why I did want to give a plug because I don't want to forget it. The best line in the entire show is the flashback between Lily and her father where he's dying in the hospital bed and uh they give the old like greek proverb of uh no man ever steps in the same river twice mm. because the river is never the same and the man is never the same. Yeah. That line has so much like whenever you watch the whole show and you keep that in mind it proves it it pretty much tells you what the end of the story is right there and that's in like episode 4 or 5 is that, like, nothing is ever the same whenever you leave and come yeah. back to it. Because the, the world is, a, it, time is a circle, but you are always going to be at a different point in the circle. You will never be at the exact same point as you were before or after.
0: Unless you're on your way to walking up to the river and you see yourself stepping in the river. So that's why you step in the river, because you see yourself doing. Got- it.
3: We got to save this discussion for the very end, right? (laughs) But that's what the whole show is about.
0: It's like the (sighs) idea that like, do you do, if you have the ability to see yourself doing something or have somebody tell you that you're going to do something, do you do it because you were told that you were going to do it? Or were you going to do it in the first place anyway? Even if you weren't told you were going to do it?
3: The 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 ending has been eating at me for, for days now, right? And so the way that I think that the universe works in this show is there's a state, right, that, that the universe is in at any given point in time. And from that state, you can determine the next state. And then as soon as you know what the next state is, after you've seen the future, you can either continue on in the state that you're in, or you can make a conscious decision. And I think that's the only way that explains the ending, right? So right. Everybody, everybody up until the very end, if they knew the future, they they weren't trying to fight it. And so they just carried on with their normal lives. And that's, that explains like the words as I say them, the the, the line where, where he says, like the words as I say them don't feel like I've like thought about them before. They just come out. Yeah. But as soon as you know the words that are going to happen, you are able to make a conscious
0: decision. Right. I, I like that notion, especially because that makes us feel good as people to know that we are making choices to shape our future But then, to me, one of the most effective scenes in the entire show is when they do the one second projection in the future for the devs team. And that that is the most unsettling shit I've seen in a long time because it really makes you think these people are seeing themselves one second in the future, reacting to themselves seeing themselves one second in the future. And they can't, they see themselves react in the projection And then they react and they can't, they, they, it's like in my head, I would, I would think that I would make the choice to not react and not do what the person that looks like me is doing in the projection, because I'm a person who can make choices, but what if you can't? So that introduces like a a
3: paradox, right? Where, Maybe the prediction, if you've planned this out, is I I don't think that a second in the future gives you enough time to react. Exactly. I I think Lily is the only person who's able to do it because she's, so there's only three people who look into the future. Right. It's Forrest, Katie, and Lily. And Forrest and Katie are just resigned to whatever the future is. That's what the future is. I think Forrest, because that's what he believes. Katie, because that's, I, I don't know, her job it's it's so weird because she's also like kind of in love with him yeah but, but <laughs> so, so lily, bizarre lily looks into the future and lily's like fuck that i don't like this future yeah other than that the only other people who've looked in the future have looked into the future one second into the future so i, so I, think, I mean
1: that, oh well no because i was gonna say there's also i think that it's in like the first episode where they get whenever they're first showing Sergey around and they say every like molecule moves because of a different, like everything is constantly interacting with everything around it. Everything in the universe works on a cause and effect relationship. And therefore like it almost, it is like a Schrodinger's box kind of a situation where if you show somebody the future, you don't know whether or not they choose to follow this past or If they choose, if they already know what's in it to rebel against that future until that moment arrives. Like, it really does just kind of fuck with your head whenever you realize, whenever you're trying to figure out how, like, where Alex Garland, I feel like Alex Garland ends up coming on the side of free will in all of this, with, like, at least with what his own personal viewpoint on the universe is but there's still a lot there to digest as
0: i mean especially when you think about when you think about lily as a character that is a huge kind of hinge for that because what he's trying to say is that she's some sort of borderline demigod type of being who has broken reality by making the first actual choice ever and that that's what really threw me that's so weird like i i feel I, like that should have been explored more
2: uh, yeah it should I, have because uh is is she a demigod or is she simply the first person who wanted to do that and, first and, and knew that she had the ability to do so because like you said only three people have seen into the future Is she particularly special because she is the one who does this? Or is it just that she's the third person that's ever seen the future and the first two didn't want to, you know?
3: I I think it's just that she was the first person. I mean, she's not the first. There's more than three people who've seen the future, but she was the first person of the three people who've seen
2: far enough into the future that they could react to the future. Yeah, because the people seeing one second into the future are – uh, being reactionary because of what they're seeing. Yeah, I, th- um, I think- They almost I think don't even have the time to, re- to be like, okay, experiment time. Let me see if I can fuck with this thing, you know? And
3: that's why I think that that scene is pivotal is because just because they're seeing one second into the future doesn't mean that they have any, like if they were seeing five minutes into the future, then
2: that's completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is exactly. Because that would give you time to- like hypothesize in your head what right. if i did something and um, so
3: lily had to go to devs because uh she
2: hadn't seen the future up to that point she only been told that she was going to end up at devs yeah and she initially again rebelled against that notion and what i also i really enjoyed uh, the entire sequence of her and jamie going to their house um i, I thought there was a lot of Potential for those scenes to absolutely suck, particularly where Alison Pill is explaining to her how it all works, because those scenes typically do suck. I don't think that that was a uh, particularly bad scene, and I also really enjoyed uh, watching them play frisbee. Out that, that was day. great.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, was, that was. I honestly good. thought that was a lovely scene, like a very smart addition. So, um, but yeah. So she has already been. Uh, she wants to rebel against this. She wants to think that like like she keeps saying up until the very very end that nick offerman is not a god he has made a very very powerful com- uh computer that is not without its faults um and so when she proves that wrong uh I, I enjoyed that choice. I saw it coming because I didn't think that the show would just end with no one doing that. Exactly. However, well, I, do didn't, though, I didn't know what was going to happen. No, well, because what do, we, happen. what do we think about Stewart's decision to kill them anyway? What do you guys think about did that? I did it. Did it really make sense? I think, well, primarily, I think his objective was to kill Nick Offerman. yeah. Stuart's um, an animal cuz he wanted the entire thing to just end. He just met Lily and he's like god bitch I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to go. Stuart's Stuart's the third best character. That's
1: It is It is funny. Well also I do love Stuart reading poetry. Like I just want that guy reading to Shakespeare. Read yeah. saw, definitely not Shakespeare by the way. What he Yeah, was that reading. was Are you I'm pretty sure that was Shakespeare. He was reading um uh, what's his name? Oh, fuck. I'm gonna try and pull it up real quick while I was talking. But I—that was definitely not Shakespeare that he was reading. That's—that was the whole irony of that scene was that they were just reading some famous philosopher. Yeah, like, like oh yeah, what is that Shakespeare? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Like the smartest people in the universe didn't even know this other philosopher's book. Um But I thought he was just reading whatever. <laughs> I. I don't. I didn't really get enough out of his whole thing. I know that he's upset about Lyndon, his young hip friend uh getting fired,
3: but they're just And murdered.
1: Well, he doesn't
0: know about the murder. I mean Well
1: was murdered.
0: it murder? We we can debate the philosophy of that for hours. But. I, I actually like that scene a lot because it it makes you feel like that's something that somebody could actually do to plant this idea in your brain that you are at a pivotal choice in the history of humanity based on the work that you've done on the supercomputer and whether or not you want to continue working on that rests on the fact that you need to dangle your life in front of this, in front of this person. Uh,
2: no, I enjoyed that because I I liked Lyndon's reaction to learning this news that she is about to do this, and she like she almost she likes it, <laughs> you know. She's like, "Oh man, that's fucking trippy." All right, here we go. <laughs> and then she just, <laughs> and she just goes and dies. Um, I I enjoyed that scene, uh, but yeah, Stewart's <sighs> Stewart's motivation because he didn't know about this the death of of Lyndon, his choice to do this to kill two people uh, for the sake of ending devs when that in fact does not end devs. Uh, it does end the, uh, it ends the more ego driven motivation behind devs. I guess he trusts Allison Pill more than he trusts Nick Offerman to to take the helm because he has to know that it's not going to end with him. It's going, and I guess at the end, So the lady that uh, Alison Pill is explaining this all to is what, feds? Yeah. Well, she's like, I think she's like a senator or something. Yeah. So, and she's asking the senator. So she is essentially giving the reins, I'm assuming, of Dez, but she's saying, I just need your help keeping this on. Right. Would a senator in any fucking universe do that? Hell no. No.
0: Hard no. Turn
2: that shit off immediately
0: so we have to wrap things up soon so i have one kind of big question i wanted to bring up um inspired by uh jason concepcion of binge mode uh they just did a really good podcast on on devs that i recommend people check out and one of the points that he brings up i wanted to bring it up to you all to kind of uh, close out the show on what you think And I think this kind of like might encapsulate why a lot of the narrative choices in this show don't really work for me. A a story needs a character that makes choices, right? And it it needs a, a protagonist to overcome challenges through these choices. And going back to Drew's point earlier that he made about how we knew from a million miles away that a big choice was going to be made because that's how stories work. But do you guys think that Lily, and by extension, a lot of the characters in this show, not really making choices is a reason why it's not compelling?
2: It's a good question because the it's it's experimental narrative in addition to all the other experimentation that Garland does and I guess the central issue is that he has not mastered traditional narrative net yet. I think that there is a universe in which that totally works. It's just a lot harder to pull off than making a story with characters with agency. It's almost like tying a hand behind your back, you know, yeah. and seeing what you can do and I think for all the shitting I'm doing uh, about the like the dialogue, I think there was plenty of uh, well-done uh, narrative sequences in this show. We're, I mean, this is like, what, seven hours of our lives. I don't feel like I wasted my time watching these characters just sort of like daughter, doddle, I guess, is what an actual word is. Um, <laughs> but, <sighs> no, I, I think it's doable. I just think that these characters didn't were not emotionally compelling enough to also not be making choices i think that is the problem if they were better written characters and they were making predetermined choices i would have no problem with it because that is the dna of the show
3: i think there were some characters that were compelling enough that i didn't really care if they were making choices or not
2: yeah no i agree i just think it would have been better if they if- were better characters I think that, like, to answer Ernie's question, I don't think that that is the issue of the show.
1: Well, I think I I push back against that hate just a little bit because I think that there is plenty of narrative storytelling choices that aren't plot-driven. The problem with the show is that it tries to be a plot-driven show about characters without real motivation. I think that there's a way that you could have done this Where if you would have just focused on the grand ideas, that would have been compelling enough. But instead, the show, at several different points, just chooses to try to give us heartfelt moments that feel hollow in the end because you know that they're predetermined. I think that there's a way, like, using somebody like... I I don't, I already used this in the last episode, so I don't want to repeat myself, but using somebody like David Lynch. David Lynch never makes things that are plot-driven, but his are all idea-driven ideas, and that is enough to make his stories compelling, is that you don't, I mean, he does have some good characters in his storytelling, um, but it's more so focused on,
0: Mood and tone,
1: and the mood and the tone. Where I think that where the show excels is when it strikes the mood and the tone. The only time that there's a really heartfelt scene that really resonated with me is the flashback sequence in which we see Forrest's family die in the car crash. And we see brutal different realities of it really effective in that moment that is the only time in this show that like it really like it it like broke my heart to see that and it's something that we already knew
3: not not jamie
2: dying jamie dying didn't make you feel anything well that one that one is is also really effective but i i think that was just like a very quick death though you
3: you, you see it coming
0: and you don't want it to happen but you know it's gonna happen Yes, it was always going to happen Yeah, but every every reality
2: knows of how his family's death went down was really particularly brutal to watch, and then the the great visuals of the you know million iterations of what could have happened. Yeah, the car crash. I thoroughly enjoyed that entire scene,
0: and it informs the character too because you understand why he's so adamant about. The the implication
2: of the computer yeah, and bringing back uh, the daughter. Why he made a giant fucking statue of his daughter? So fucking unsettling. So
0: incredibly transparently, wife just got do.
1: thrown aside. His wife, he's just like, no, nah, no, nah, I can find a new lady. I got Allison Pill. I got this young college hot shot coming in here. I don't Damn. need that. But my daughter, yes. As know.
0: as a computer uh, engineer type, you would definitely work at a a company that has a giant statue and uh giant photos of the dead daughter of the CEO yeah, everywhere all right over the fucking that's place. that's going to be
3: a, that's going to be a hard
0: fucking no from me <laughs>
3: <Right in period laughs>
0: <is that my laughs> Dane, do you have do you have any final thoughts on devs before we wrap uh, it up
3: um yeah i i think it was it like uh whoever said it you know it was 7 hours or whatever it was not it was not wasted Mm-mm. I did I did enjoy it. I would recommend it. I would not say that it's the greatest thing in the world. I think that the uh I think talking about it has made me enjoy it more. Yes, definitely. Because a lot of the thoughts and theories that I have just seem like insane and like don't make any sense until I'm able to voice them. Uh I think that that's actually made me enjoy it more.
0: Do you feel like what Alex Garland is trying to say through the show is informing your perception of reality in any way, or is the show not that powerful to do that?
3: Um, that's, that's a hard one to answer. Cause I think, <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I think that I think about existentialism a lot more than the average person without like trying to, <laughs> Without trying to sound like I'm better than anybody, you know, I mean, I'm, we all kind of do to an extent. Yeah, I maybe I just think that I think about it differently than other people, and that's part of why talking about it has made it uh, uh, more palatable. I mean, not that it wasn't palatable
0: before, but more
3: enjoyable,
0: I guess. Does Does Devs like kind of align with the same thoughts that you have in a meaningful right. way? That's going to be a no from me, dog. All uh, right. I, are
3: you I more think, on the
1: London principle idea, or where where, do, where are you on here?
3: I'm I'm more aligned with London. I think that- the many uh, worlds. Yeah, and I think that it really depends on, you know, there's an infinite number of worlds depending on where the electron in one specific atom is, and there's, you yeah. know, trillions of atoms in the universe. That's not even close to the number of atoms in the universe, but-
0: I mean, that's where the science points to, yeah, I think. and
3: There's if, so many different possibilities that, that uh, saying that this is definitely
0: the one is just too, uh, too strict. And if, if you want to learn something from a little movie called uh, Men in Black from the 90s, that movie ends on a huge zoom out that just zooms all the way out to the universe And then the universe is just a little marble that a little alien is playing with with other universe marbles. And he just puts them all in a little marble bag. And then the movie ends.
1: I do have a question for you guys. What got the multiverse more right? Uh, Devs, or as we should call it from now on, Deus, or
0: Rick and Morty? (laughs) Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, probably. Hey, uh, Dan Harmon, uh, also with Community, the the darkest timeline yeah, there you go. that's a great multiverse theory also we brought this up in our other episode legion had a great multiverse episode with all Uh-oh. the alternate davids that that
3: episode is probably the best legion episode oh
0: it's so fucking good man Awesome. So i have to go all right <laughs> drew's got some some carnal knowledge to attend to Ew. Um, ah, ah, so with that with we'll me. leave you this week and thank you so much dane for joining us yeah thanks we really thanks. we really appreciate you coming on uh a pleasure i feel like we'll, we needed
3: an actual
2: smart person to i'm not smart parse all this i'm shit not out. smart and i'm not funny i, I think we need someone who actually applies their knowledge to uh real life situations with like a normal job
0: yeah let us know if you all find a a cure to COVID-19 and if it was something that was always going to happen or if it's something that somebody chose for, uh, for it to happen in our reality. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on We Bought a Mic at, at uh, all the streaming or social media, you know, whatever, internet things. And uh, stick around for next week. Listen to our catch-up and stay safe, stay healthy. We love you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.